Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face.
Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are joined by a very special guest here with us today. We are here to talk about a new book called Sound, a memoir of hearing, lost, and found by Bella Bathurst. Bella is here with us uh, somewhere in the UK on her cell phone. Bella, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. So, Bella, I mean, first of all, congratulations on the book. What a what a marvelous uh, read. What a what a beautiful and poetic uh, piece about um, the extraordinary. Is is that fair for me to say? Uh, well, it's very kind of you to say so. Um, yes, I guess it was sort of. Uh, I, I mean, it's nice to hear that it's poetic. I hope it's also kind of you know telling a telling a, a good story as well. So, so speaking of story, why don't here, here, I'm going to read the quote for for our listeners right off the off the front cover? Um, quote: A moving and fascinating book about sound and what it means to be human. Close quote. That was the Financial Times, and I'm I'm not sure who the writer was there, but 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 this idea of being human and listening and sound, and I mean, you just have some fat, and I think that's what I mean about being 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 poetic to some degree is that your your observations, the things that you seem to pay attention to, you know, or were almost pushed into paying attention to, I think is really fascinating for for a variety of reasons. But I wonder if you could just sort of start us off a little bit by, you know, with your story. Uh, you know, there's 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 an accident, you know, that 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 you sort of make some you know causal connections to, and so on. So yeah, if you could 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 you just give us a, yeah an overview of of how, where this book came from because you're 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 more of a um, you write fiction. Um, yes. Um, so I guess uh, it all started. I I I was uh, I was about twenty seven and. So, uh, actually, when I'd been at university, I'd had one head injury, a skiing injury, and then about seven years later, I turned uh, my, well, it was a pickup truck, actually, uh, over on black ice. Um, and after that, I started to go deaf fairly rapidly. And at the time, I was sort of diagnosed with uh, sort of, uh, with with well, I'd, I'd already lost half my hearing in both ears, and they just kind of said, "Okay, here's some hearing aids. We think you've got sensory neural damage. <clears throat> um, uh, this is what you need to get on with it, and and you're pretty much just left to it." And and I'm sure anyone who's had a hearing loss diagnosis has probably ha- had the same experience. Here's some hearing aids and get on with it, kind of thing. And uh, so that was it for the next twelve years. I did swap over to and slightly more sophisticated uh, digital hearing aids. Uh, but it wasn't until I was retested in a different way in about 2009 that it was discovered that I didn't have that type of hearing damage. It had had nothing to do with those head injuries. Uh, it was a genetic condition called otosclerosis, which is one of the very, very few operable uh, <clears throat> hearing conditions. So uh, I went and had um, uh, each ear operated on, um, uh, one at a time with a year apart, and I got my hearing back. And after that, I um, so I've always been a writer and journalist, uh, but I'd never up until that point written anything about hearing or deafness or how it has affected me. And to be honest, for for about uh, uh, a 
good seven years, actually, after I got my hair back in, the, in, in both ears, I kind of went, okay, I'm not going to touch this. I just want to get as far away from the experience as I possibly can. And it wasn't until I'd sort of processed it and had some distance on it that, that I wrote about it. But I didn't want it just to be about my own experience because my my experience of deafness was such that, that um, there was very little else written about it. And I kept coming across you know, thousands and thousands of people. Who well, well, don't you don't you talk at one point in the book about uh, up to eleven million people suffering from some kind of hearing loss or another in the UK? Yeah, absolutely, and that's and that's the same for pretty much any developed country. So the US is pretty much the, the same; about a fifth of the population, and Canada the same. So it's a lo- it's a huge, huge number of the population, and it's just not written about, not talked about. You have any other condition. And, you know, you think about cancer, and there are reams of books on, on cancer. There's personal accounts, or there's kind of med- medical guides, or kind of whatever it is. But but deafness, I mean, there's some stuff about kind of uh, <clears throat> sign language, but for those who have lost their hearing, as opposed to those who were born profoundly deaf, there really, really isn't that much. Were hearing you... loss is not a Sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine. So, I, just wondering about there's so many, so many questions I, I, I have for you, and I want to talk about you know th- things around the technology and about the diagnosis and so on. But do you think? And and <laughs> this is my, I guess, my philosophical background coming out here: freedom, determinism. Do you think life sort of deals us these things sometimes? To I don't know to allow us to make new cho- choices to provide other opportunities. I mean, it's a, it's. I just love how you you took what what could have been and probably was for you as it comes out in the book in a variety of ways a very difficult experience, and you've turned it into this you know beautiful gift. I hope for yourself, but 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 also for others. You know, and and you've provided this opportunity. I mean, cha- chapter is it chapter thirteen? Your last chapter is just everyone needs to read chapter thirteen. <laughs> it's just it's. It's it's remarkable this 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 uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read from it later but but the 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 way you're 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 recognizing this this beauty all around us and then kind of offering us this gentle corrective I think <laughs> anyway there's there's a few questions wrapped up in that but but I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that oh I don't know th- that that new opportunity that was presented to you. Yeah, I guess at the time, I mean, when, when I got the initial diagnosis, it was a sort of, you know, it was about 10 minutes when it was a novelty, and then I really lost my sense of humor about it. And, right. uh, and got a go again. I mean, it's, it's, it's like the, you know, the, the stages of grief. I, I, I spent a long time on the pissed off stage. And, <laughs> I, think um, I, I think I would too, Bella. That's, I think, where I'd spend a fair bit of time as well. Yeah, I, I mean, you can kind of get stuck on that one. So, I mean, I, I, I stuck with the, 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 the really annoyed stage for quite a while. And then, um, I guess, I mean, but part of my problem at the time was uh, I was 27, 28. There was nobody in my friendship group, my family, you know, around me, my, my colleagues, my peers, who was deaf? I mean, there were some old people, there were some sort of grannies and that sort of thing, but 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 that but there was nobody who whose experience I could directly relate to, who I could go to and say, look, I'm losing my hearing. It's not, you know, everybody keeps making a joke about it, and I keep making a joke about it, or or a bit, but but 
but actually it's really not funny and the, and and some of the consequences are, are really big so i think i didn't know sort of how to pitch it how to handle it so i think it, it took me a long time to to find a find a route through because i had i really had to make that route up as i went along because there just wasn't anyone you know there wasn't anybody else to take my cue from so i think in some ways that was very useful it was just kind of okay you're on your own with this but and but there's certain things you can do, definitely do to make this easier and also it is that old thing it's a kind of it's almost a cliche your other senses do come up to fill fill the gap right yeah no, and that, I, that, that. I, I did. I did want to ask you about that. It's it's almost as if the the volume, ironically, is turned up on those senses. Absolutely, absolutely, and you really do notice it. And um, uh, I mean, I I sort of I ha ha amplified that by going to work in a pro photographic lab. So I was processing. Uh, well, at that stage, it was it was a film. I was processing and contacting uh, <clears throat> old fashioned film. And so I was looking at images day in, day out, and that as a visual education was incredibly powerful. And I, I started noticing that it was sort of building up my visual sense, my visual language. And, and, and then I started noticing that I was just that much more interested in interpreting and looking at the way people, all the stuff that's outside speech, all the body language, all of that. And that started to make a really big difference as well. I mean, they always say that, that a huge amount of human communication is out with speech. It's, it's not, it's, you know, what we actually communicate in words is only a, a, a quarter, if sure. that. Of, yeah, the, 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 uh, the nonverbal non sort of almost takes precedence, and yet we don't seem to put as much or pay as much attention to it. Absolutely. So I, I, I learned to... Uh, prioritize the nonverbal, and that's wonderful. That's a wonderful skill to learn, and and also this. Um, I mean, I now do a, a, a sort of daily thing on Twitter of great sounds. You know, whether it's whether it's you know, you know, sharpening a pencil or the kettle boiling or kind of whatever it is. I mean, that's just, so just that's so tiny, cool. I love it. Tiny, tiny, great sounds because they are they are beautiful, and and we don't and we think about we think about in in terms of music or speech, but we don't think in terms of how gorgeous, how amazing, how cool sound is because we spend so much time actually trying to get rid of, you know, if you live in London or a big city, there's endless announcements, there's there's kind of huge amounts of sort of white noise, there's there's music, there's stuff you really don't want to hear. So there's lots of stuff you don't want to hear, but you don't think of all the stuff that is just gorgeous. You know, there's a crackle of winter bonfires or the, or the different right. sounds that snow makes or kind of whatever it is. It's, um, I, you know, I want to go back to the, 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 the comment about, you know, our other, other senses get, get heightened. Do you think, I mean, uh, physiologically, I wouldn't think they're actually turned up. It's just that you... You have you now have is is it that you now have more resources to to apply to them because I think you do talk about that a little bit in the book but or or is it that you've been forced pushed you know into this situation where you have to pay attention you have you you've got one less tool over here so I've got to sharpen these other you know this other set of knives in my you know in my in my physiological toolbox does that make sense. Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a really interesting one. I think neurologically, it would be really interesting to 
test somebody who was uh, losing one of their senses and see see if actually there were there was more activity in the other senses in the other, in the regions of the other senses. I mean, obviously that didn't happen with me, but it did feel as if the, the, that that sense, that visual sense in particular, was tuning up. But I also got this kind of weird phenomenon where I would start getting kind of phantom smells as well. Right, interesting. Which was really strange. So I'd sort of come downstairs in the middle of a weekday, and 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 you know I could smell a I could smell a Sunday roast, or the smell of patchouli, or the or the or the the, the smell the smell of spring flowers, or kind of whatever, at completely the wrong time of year. And it was just it was really weird. It was like it was like my senses were sort of trying to tune up, or try trying to to you know they were sort of testing testing kind of thing. And, and were, were the uh, I, Bella, were the phantom smells, were they always pleasant? Were they always connected to sort of fond memories as well? Or did you ever smell like, I don't know, diesel fume? Yeah, absolutely. I did smell diesel fume. And diesel fume in particular, actually, since you mentioned it, because diesel fume was was the smell of of, of, of the car accident. So right. there, were some, there, were, there were some that were very associative, and then there were some that were just utterly random, as I say. I mean... Uh, smells connected with with, with 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 the wrong time of year, so the smell of hay or something in the middle of the city in December, kind of thing. Uh, so they were lovely smells, but they were just sort of in the wrong right, place. Right. So so you're gonna. I I hope you laugh out loud, and I hope this brings a smile to every every listener out there. Once 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 we're up live and and online, but. We we uh, we my family just uh, got a dog recently. Sasha's her name. She's from Greece, actually. So so she doesn't speak a whole lot of English. She's she's in in my office right now, and I can hear her through my headphones, and she's snoring. And I thought, you know, if if she's just sitting here, she's not going to bother us. She's not going to. She she doesn't really bark. So I was worried about. Oh boy, we're going to get interrupted. But I can't help but just delight in this beautiful little uh, uh, a serendipitous moment of of this rumble of her in the background, wondering if it's going to be caught on digital while you and I are having our interview and conversation. I think that's. I think it's quite lovely. That would be really lovely. I like this kind of. <laughs> Uh, um, snoring. It's <laughs> so funny, right? I mean, just think about yeah. think about all the sounds dogs make, you know. And it's just it really it makes me smile. It's just we we you know. And I think that's the question. I I think that's where I was going with you know around the question about our other senses being heightened. And I think you know this idea of wonder, this idea of paying attention and listening. I mean, I love. I so love your chapter on listening and about about this. You talk about it being an act of communion, and I hope I hope in a few minutes we can talk about taxi drivers and Tony Parker and what crisis listening is all about. Because I'd really love to spend some time on that. But in in, in an earlier part of the book, you 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 say that. Um, until the car, it's at the beginning of, of, of chapter three, you say, until I turned, quote, the car upside down, I had been just like everyone else. I accepted the ordinary miracle of my senses, and I expected them to get on with the job. I mean, are you are you kind of making a comment here, would you say, about, about everything we take for granted? Or, or the, in this case, that maybe you were taking for granted? Is that sort of where you were going with that? Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm, I'm, yes, I mean, I, I think we all do it. We wake up in the morning and we absolutely rely, without even thinking about it, uh, on, on our five senses and the correct functioning of, 
you know, the, the, our hands, our feet, our legs, our kind of whatever. And it isn't until one of those malfunctions or the, the, there's a pain somewhere or kind of whatever it is that you actually kind of think, oh, my God, this is just extraordinary. If you actually look at the mechanism of, of, of human vision or human uh, hearing, it is miraculous. I mean, beyond... <laughs> right. It's true. Ab- I mean, it's so complex and so beautiful. And, I mean, you know, forget Fabergé eggs. They, what we have inside fitted as standard is absolutely, yeah, a miracle is the only word. Um, is, it, is it okay that I don't know what a Fabergé egg is? Yeah, for sure, it's fine. <laughs> I'm assuming it's like some sort of, is it like some sort of product or something that you can buy? It's, it, it, it was, uh, so, it, it, it would take a bit of a long time to explain, because <laughs> right. it was beautiful, they were amazing jewels that oh, were made right. for the Russian Tsar. Of course, by you know what? Extraordinarily talented jeweler. I do. I do. Sometime in the nineteenth uh, century. So, so hope, you know, you you realize that thirty percent of our listeners right now are are, are googling that, right? It's uh, it's for, right. for for sure happening. Tell me a little bit about about your sort of uh, you know you talk about this act of communion around listening so so you talked about also about sort of being on your own after that first 10 minutes of you know just uh, uh, you know uh, sort of when 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 the news really started to sink in what about community what about the people around you were you supported did you feel ostracized what, you know what what can you tell me about that stigma around how i might you know, if you and I had met and we shook hands at a party and, 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 and I found out either by somebody telling me or by con- through conversation that you were deaf, would, would I be treating you now differently as, you know, be, be, because of your deafness? Is, can, you, can you offer some insights into to some of those things? Well, I mean, for sure I didn't make life easy on myself. So, so for, for about three or four years after I was initially diagnosed, I just didn't tell people that I had a hearing loss. So right. so I didn't tell people that I really couldn't hear well. So if I met somebody new, as I did because of my job all the time, I wouldn't say, look, I can't hear very well. I've got hearing aids, but it really helps if you just speak up a bit, don't hide your mouth and keep turned towards me. I would just kind of, you know, sort of, I mean, I've, I've always worn my hair long. So I would cover the hearing aids. Nobody could see them. And so what might happen if I met you for the first time was actually you would probably think I was a bit, I was really rude because I might just, you might say something. And because I wouldn't hear, I would turn away mid-sentence. And, and, and that was very, so I think there was a lot of people who I totally involuntarily blanked. I didn't realize I was blanking them because they'd said something to me and I, and I and I just didn't respond, so they ended up thinking I was I was rude, and I, and that I find really 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 difficult to deal with. And I also find it difficult because you know um, I, I spend so much of my time interviewing, talking to people, meeting people who sort of welcome me into their kind of worlds and, and describe what it's like to be them. I find that really difficult. The sort of conversational flow, the flow of a of a chat or an interview that was completely gone. I just wasn't picking up on mm. things that normally I would have done. And situations which were difficult, which were more sort of acoustically challenging, like a, 
a pub or a restaurant or out, outside, I, I, I find really, really difficult. So instead of this lovely sort of flow of of interaction with another person, there was now this just kind of series of, sort of jolting, uncomfortable, difficult monologues. So I felt in front, you know, beside my peers, beside all my friends who were sort of, you know, they were all trying to do the right thing. They just, they just didn't know how to respond. Uh, I felt very, you know, I felt a beat behind. I felt like kind of, you know, the last person in on the joke. I felt stupid. And that I find really, really difficult to deal with, I think. Do, do you think – so a couple, couple questions. I'm, I'm fascinated to know uh, or interested to know if you feel as if this is, this is a much – I would imagine this is a much different book that you've written sound uh, than if you had decided you know, uh, at the age of 26 to write a book on sound. I mean you've got life experience, but this is a very specific kind of experience now that you're bringing the, uh, to, to – to, to these observations, to 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 your worldview, frankly. So I guess the question is: Are you a better writer because of this, and, and are are you a better human? I mean, is that is that a fair question? Yeah, totally. I'm questionably a better human. Whether I'm a better writer or not, I don't know. I think I, it, it, there's no question that it gave me a depth and a. Uh, it just gave me another layer, I guess. But, but I mean, one of the things about um, that period, that 12-year period, was that print was a very comfortable place for me to run to. So I continued to write all the way through that. But the great thing about print is that it's always at the right volume. So actually, I was always writing. I was always communicating. I was always doing something. So I really can't tell. It wasn't like, you know, at the beginning of the 12 years, I, 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 you know, I, I stopped writing, and then, and then I picked it up again at, at the end of the twelve years. So there was a, there was a real marker. It's pretty seamless, you know. I published three or four books during that, more than that, I think, during that, during that period. So it was, I can't, I can't see that. If you said I can't, I can't pick up the difference. It does how I am as a human being. Yes, unquestionably, it, 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 it. Um, I, I don't know how it changed me. I can't quantify how it changed me. I just know that it did, and it did for the better. So how how do we how do we learn from that? So clearly, someone can read the book and 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 hopefully pay attention and make notes and have have other conversations. And we trust they're they're going to or I'm. Let's put it on me. I, I trust now that I'm going to be a better listener as a result of this. I I mean I I. And I so love that you you refer to this act of listening as something, in t- you know, um, um, good and beautiful and true, and 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 this act of communion. I mean, you you've, you've turned it into this this this. Uh, oh, I don't know. I want to say ritual almost, but but we need to focus uh, our time and our effort because really, what we're doing is we're validating the other. We're saying to somebody else or this other group that you're included. You matter. Uh, you're a part of my community. How, how do I remind myself of that, having not had the experience that you've had? I guess it's just, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's quite a difficult thing because there's, there's, there is a lot of one, unwanted sound. There is a lot of unwanted um, input. So I guess it's also by prioritizing, you know, if a friend's, brings you up and, you know, what sounds like a kind of normal sort of catch-up 
is obviously, you know, there's obviously something troubling them underneath, then that's really, really worth devoting kind of all your all you're listening to and the same for a family member you know it, it, it may be a conversation that you think you've had a thousand times but actually there's there's something underneath that there's something that, that that needs to be said of course if you're having a conversation with somebody in a call center both of you are in a kind of different mode it's not going to be a great listening experience however you play it but so i so i guess it's just um it's recognizing the moment when it's it's a really, it really, it makes all the difference in the world just to just to open yourself to 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 be open to listening completely and and of course and you know you have, you need to sort of you know you need to be careful with your resources and your energy and all the rest of it so just recognizing when when actually and you do start to recognize when somebody wants to you know what they're what they're transmitting is different to what they're broadcasting, if you see what I mean. Mm. So you get good at reading the signals, I guess. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I think it's a, it's a reminder, certainly, uh, for me, you know, in the work that I do uh, as a dad, as a husband, and so on, just as a, as a friend, I, I think of being distracted in conversation recently, even with a couple of friends I hadn't seen in a while for, you know, this sort of annual Christmas get-together, holiday, holiday meal and a few drinks, and over the shoulders is this wretched television i don't even really watch sports and there's a football and a hockey game on and i keep looking up and getting, getting distracted you know i mean that's a whole other conversation i suppose and maybe i should have made a decision and said guys can i sit on the other side you know can i sit with you can we move the move tables so i can i can focus a little more um but i think it's i think it really is a great reminder to to to, to put down the, the, the phone, to turn the phone over so that we can't even see the face of it. I mean, I think some of these, these simple things that we could do to, to become better listeners, uh, certainly for myself, make, make a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure, definitely. And, 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 I, and, I, and I completely understand what you mean by the, by the, by the TV on in the background. I and mean, we all seem to do it. We all seem to have, we're sort of multitasking with sound. So in any given situation, there's always the radio, there's always machinery, there's always, you know, the the sound of the car. There's always kind of the phone pinging. There's kind of whatever it is, and 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 actually that's not that's not true listening because you you can only almost by definition be listening with half an ear, and you can't really be listening to what your friend's saying about where they're at. On the uh, on the cover of the book, can you tell me what that is? Is that um, uh, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a group of birds. Is that is that a perturbation? Is that what that's called? It's called a murmuration. Murmuration. Thank you. The murmuration of starlings. And and clearly that. From a distance, that would have very little sound, but it would just be gorgeous and beautiful to watch. And I've, I've I saw a small a small one on a, on a drive just just yesterday afternoon. Uh, but when when they're large and you're up close, it's 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 quite a different experience. They're absolutely amazing, it's, it's, it's because you, you get you, you get them particularly this time of year. Actually, um, you, you get them in certain places, and these kind of dense, thick, sort of masses flock shoals of birds all together all starlings and they they ebb and flow in this incredibly beautiful way um almost as a sort of single organism 
and and they make the most extraordinary noise because again the 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 the, the sound is is it sounds like a single organism and it doesn't sound like individual bird song it sounds like this this kind of electricity it's just absolutely it's one it's one of those sort of great phenomena it's just a beautiful beautiful thing yeah speaking 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 of poetry um t- so I, I i love some of the people who who appear in your book and and some of the people you've interviewed and you talk through and and nine inch nails even makes a makes an appearance uh, you know speaking about interesting sounds and you talk you talk about um uh, um Oh, I'm just trying to think of the the phrase that you actually use um, um, around around torture and around loud oh, sounds yeah. and, and white noise and um, well, oh, I, I know what it is and it wasn't your phrase, but I guess it was you know kind of uh, something the military would use enhanced interrogation as if you know as if this makes it just a little bit better. Yeah, well, I think they also call it white torture. And um, it, I mean that that I find really difficult to write about because it is it's basically it's a form of torture that doesn't leave marks. It just leaves you know you know you know just ravages people psychologically because what what what, what they do is to is to disrupt and disorientate and uh, through the, through the senses through so. So extreme noise for 24 hours a day, so people can't sleep. Um, Waterboarding, all of that, all of that stuff. It's all stuff that doesn't leave a physical mark, but is nevertheless designed designed to wear the person down. And I and and I found this guy in in the UK who was prepared to talk to me about some of that. And you know that's a hard listen because 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 I now associate sound. You know, even if it's kind of you know. Stuff I don't particularly like with with joy and with with with, with, with all things kind of loveliness and, and you know the, and, the, and right. the joy of that and then to, and to and to and to hear it being twisted and used for these dark purposes is really difficult and used to to, to screw people up and to and to extract information from them. I kind of I understand that that that, that it may be necessary and. But I, but I also, uh, yeah, I find that well, hard. I, I find it fascinating. I mean, I love the, the 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 paradox of taking something beautiful and turning it in, in, into something, you know, um, uh, challenging and difficult, and, and, and maybe even bordering on evil in, 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 in some cases. But but I also find it fascinating that the people that you bring into the, the this story into, you know, into the book and and into you know as you as you reflect on. What it means to 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 commune with others, you know, and and to listen to what's going on around us, I find it fascinating. Um, and also in this specific case, you know, it's not it, it's not you know you would normally think of loud noise, you would think of of, of 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 death metal or loud rock and roll, Black Sabbath. I think you talk about Rage Against the Machine, but but it's also Barney the Dinosaur or birds chirping. I mean, it's it's really interesting. It is, it is, and as I said, it's, it's it's a really difficult one because you know any noise, any it doesn't matter what it, what it is. It could be bird song, it could be you know a chainsaw, it could be a, a, you know something taking off on the deck of an arc, uh, aircraft carrier. It's it, if it's if it's loud enough, it will eventually damage hearing, and if it's relentless enough, it'll it'll stop you know people from sleeping. It is a form of it is a it is a 
sensory overload, basically. And um, I mean, I guess if you're in the military, you are used to sound being associated with aggression, you know, sort of rocket launches, rifles, guns, you know, explosions, uh, very loud aircraft noises, and that sort of thing. So the leap from that to using sound as a bad thing isn't that great. I think it's, you know, for the rest of us, we all find it kind of much more difficult. But, uh, but, but one of the things that was really interesting in the book, and I sort of did quite a lot about, was within both the military and the music industry, the levels of deafness, the levels of hearing loss are just, I mean, they're just catastrophic. I, mean, they're, 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 I think the, one of the studies in the U.S. was that half, more than half of, of army vets are, uh, have really quite serious hearing loss. And, and, and you know, the, the, you're never going to get proper statistics right. on, on the, the degree of hearing loss within serving personnel because there's collusion on both sides and neither side really wants to report it, neither the soldiers nor the, 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 the top brass. So, and the music industry likewise, um, you know, if you stand really close to the speakers for a long, long time, it's not going to go great for your hearing. And, you know, it's, it, it, it is damaging. A lot of, you know, the, the kind of older generation of, uh, of rock stars and classical musicians have really damaged hearing, but they don't talk about it. They don't they talk really about don't. it. Yeah, no, there's a, a huge lesson to be learned there. I, uh, sadly, Bella, we, we, we've got to wrap it up here, but I, I, I just want to read a little portion uh, of Chapter 13, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit around uh, Tony Parker. And, and taxi drivers uh, uh, in, in a second here. Quote, I wanted everything. I wanted to try everything, listen to everything. I wanted to go up to strangers in the street and ask them if they had any idea of the miracles taking place inside their heads. I wanted to tell them that this hearing thing, this basic feature fitted totally as standard in every working model, turned out upon examination to be a piece of kit which made the works of Shakespeare seem slack by comparison, close quote. I mean, it's so so lovely, so beautiful. Can, can, can you talk a little bit about about this communion uh, and and maybe and maybe connect it to Tony Parker and and taxi drivers? Yeah, it was. I mean, it, it, it just. I, I think. That, I mean, one of the things that I, I sort of end the book by just just describing this concert I went to with a friend, where it was the first time I'd listened to music for the for without these digital hearing aids without any kind of filter for the first time in 12, 13, whatever it was, 14 years, something like that. And it was a, it wasn't just an extraordinary, exceptional experience. It was a kind of full body, absolute, it changed my DNA. It changed my cell structure. It was so profound and extraordinary. It was just absolutely wonderful. And it, and, and it did, I mean, that was music. Um, but it, it, it sort of tied in very much with how uh, I'd started out. So way back at school, I'd come across the, 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 the writings of a guy called Tony Parker, who was a, an oral historian. He, he occupies a sort of space that, that in the U.S., I think, is, was sort of occupied by Studs Terkel, except Tony Parker didn't do radio. He just did these books, which were 
transcripts of interviews and they were acts of listening. He was known as the great listener and he was just a plainly, absolutely lovely man. He was a Quaker, a pacifist and a prison visitor. And he would interview, you know, the people in Belfast during the Troubles or uh, soldiers or lighthouse keepers or the residents of a, an East End London housing estate or kind of whatever. And he would draw them out and, and get them to tell their whole stories um, and, and, you know, in their words, with their phrasing. With their, and they were just lovely. And they, were the, they, they themselves were sort of minor minor sort of miracles of of of, of catching a, a, the, the fullness of a person and I guess yeah I mean both of them are were you know both that amazing concert and 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 Tony Parker's work were kind of you know the best kind of the best kind of listening that you can possibly have the best best of all it's so good, and I think it's a beautiful, a beautiful way to end our conversation and interview today. And and uh, if, if people want to hear more about the taxi drivers, the taxi drivers as as, as psychiatrists, I think, or psychologists, you know, it's uh, they, they play an important role. Um, um, they're going to need to pick up your book. The book is called Sound: A Memoir of Hearing Lost and Found by Bella Bathurst. Bella, thanks so much time, uh, for your time today, for sharing with us a little bit more about about what was going on in your story, and and thank you for a, a, a brilliant read and an important book that I hope uh, I hope everyone everyone picks up and everyone reads. Well thank you so much. Witness history at Roland Garros where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.